I think you hit the nail on the head with like, maybe you're already there because the answer is you, it's not maybe, you are already there. All of us are. Welcome to Elements of Styles, the business podcast that trades in scarce thinking for community, conversation, and ideas in abundance. Each week, I, Mark Styles, sit with professionals and entrepreneurs, both local and global, and learn how they each add value to their communities, their partners, and their teams. Please enjoy. Today's episode is sponsored by Securitytle. Secure Title helps Massachusetts real estate attorneys, real estate agents, loan professionals, buyers, and sellers with all of their title, settlement, and escrow needs. Secure Title, S-E-C-U-R-I-T-I-T-L-E.com, where security and title come together. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Elements of Styles. Today, I am grateful to have Mitch Kustenborder of Financial Independent Advisors a financial advisor, and a writer, The Enlightened Long Game. Hey, Mitch, welcome to the show, man. Thank you, Mark. Always a pleasure. How have you been? Uh, I've been very good. Wonderful. Uh, I'm, I'm over the, uh, I think I'm over the idea of success guilt and uh, saying that it was a nice 2020. Um, was, that, uh, was that a big deal for you? Yeah, I think so, um, because... My gosh, I mean, everywhere you turned, it was it was not good for a lot of people, right? But it was, I don't even necessarily mean professionally. I mean, although it was good professionally, it just, I think from a personal level, 2020 was great for me personally. It was good for my family. You know, I think a lot of the same things people are, you hear it frequently. I mean, it was a great sort of recentering time for us. Um, I think we used it wisely that way. And are you I, over, I, I've got, are I've got you over the success guilt? Because it sounds like you're still a little feeling a little guilty about uh, doing it correctly, right? I mean, there's a couple of ways to do COVID, right? I mean, we're over a year into it, folks. So, like, if you're listening to this 10 years from now, this is what month 14 of COVID, and I know exactly what you're talking about. How dare you be optimistic? Yeah. Uh, so I, yes, I genuinely am over it. Um, I, I think you just have to look at what, what's the flip side of that coin. I think, free, what is it? Frequently people are, do they bucket themselves in the category of like cynicism or realists or something like that on the other side? And uh, that's, that's not very helpful or practical either. So yeah, I, I think I choose, even if um, something isn't necessarily immediately good uh, on the surface, I'm, I'm definitely going to choose patience to at least reveal itself in a positive way. So things can either be very good now or they'll be very good soon. And, um, you know, that's just sort of the ebbs and flows of life now, whether it's COVID or not COVID. COVID made it a little bit more challenging for a lot of people, though. This is true. Um, you know, it's funny. I have, uh, you introduced me partly as writer. So th there's one one particular quote in a blog post I wrote that gained a ton of traction uh, as I, I extracted it from an article and I posted it separately on social, social media, I'm, I don't want to butcher it, that optimism is not necessarily that you think everything is going to go well. It is the capacity to be patient when things aren't going well and that they will get better. I think that's a key distinction, right? And 
you know, whether you were completely laid off or whether you were having the best, you know, whether whether you were an employee of Amazon and things were great for you. I think that capacity exists for everyone. Uh, and maybe that's a bit, sounds a bit insensitive, insensitive but I think uh, that I'm going to hold true to that one. I, I think it's a brilliantly eloquent way to frame optimism because nobody is optimistic 100% of the time. It's virtually impossible. So what is the enlightened long game? I think the best way to describe it is, let me give you this trajectory of it. So I, it's probably two years ago, okay, merge the ideas of, okay, Mitch Custom Border, the financial advisor, wealth manager, whatever hat you want to give me with someone also that enjoys writing. And how could you, how could I uh, get some of the ideas around the mechanics of managing money and also sort of the psychology and the relationship of money. Uh, how could we kind of bring those two ideas together? Um, so it started off with more of a, as a pet project, um, the Enlightened Long Game itself was a blog at the time, still is. And I, it was a mix of both. It was like, you might find articles on things that you could take and go implement tomorrow in your personal financial life um, mixed with like, okay, well, have you thought of your relationship with money in this way? Mm, trying to not let people get fall too much into the trap of just like how we've kind of, we all might tend to fall into a system uh, and a way of thinking about money, you know, uh, becoming too dependent on it in terms of it being representing our freedom. And so what became pretty clear and where all the feedback was pointing towards was Mitch, give us more of the redefining wealth, uh, less of the, uh, less of like the mechanical strategy stuff. Not that there's not value there. I think, you know, I might just represent more. I, I'd rather take noise away from people uh, than add noise. And there's plenty of that available, right? Like I, you can get lost in Google all day long and, you know, when to make, when and how to make a contribution to an IRA. What there is a, an enormous appetite for is at risk of sounding maybe a bit too, uh, woo woo with it is like, how do I become free? And so there, you know, money has a way of uh, kind of clamping down on all of us. We have to, we all need to make a living. Um, we all have jobs that we show up to, or if we're not, if we're not employed and we're retired, then we're dependent on the cooperation of the stock market or, uh, you know, somebody to manage our pension fund or whatever it is that we're all sort of, servants to, to some extent. And so, hey, Mitch, how can we become free from this? And so that was where the topics kind of really started gaining a lot of life and where I became most interested in. And it, and then it, so it started to grow. And, and that was more of my, what I noticed was with our existing client base that. Is that you know, where it, it started? 
did you did yeah. you test it on those people that you already knew yeah definitely yeah that, that, that was the that was the yeah that was definitely the testing ground was there a fear point that you might spook some of those clients yeah i think i mean honestly the spook the the fear of spooking still hasn't completely gone away it's it continually is a test i but i think this isn't all things life right like the more the more you be the more you reveal of yourself your true self uh the scarier it gets right like that's always going to be the case whether it's in your career or whatever the case may be and so but what what i was finding was even within our client base it was it was helpful because you can have all the money you can have no money or said differently you can be you can be looking to make it or you can have already made it and the anxiety still exists there's different triggers wanting to get it and wanting to keep it are uh two things that still cause people a lot of stress and so you have to then start asking yourself okay money isn't the stress reliever so what is and that's where we had i, I started to take the writing a little bit uh more in depth and started to more it started in more theory and then i thought okay more people started enjoying it it wasn't just the clients it became a much it wasn't just applicable to the people we were servicing and were ex already experiencing success in life that this was something that was broadly applicable and everybody wanted and i thought okay i gotta start getting more practical in how i offer this and something that people can sort of take to their day-to-day -day lives and is isn't just my own like kind of you know daily musings um, but how can we actually give something to people that they can so and that I would say has brought us to the current day and where it is now. Well, let me ask you about your your musings right so I heard and and I don't want to assume but I heard you kind of say whatever my title is whatever I am I'm a financial advisor I'm a wealth guider I'm the Sherpa to your happiness, the success guru when it comes to wealth preservation. But I'm more. I want to write. I want to also follow my passion of writing. How has that been for you personally? Yeah, so don't miss, I think there's a key element there of not misinterpreting. There's not a uh, downplay of them. Yeah, you're right. So the word more is good. Uh, there, there's definitely not a, uh, I'm, I'm not assigning a value to one or the other, uh, financial advisor or writer. Um, it's, it's an and, right? Um, and, and one feeds the other for sure. Like my experience in guiding people through the accumulation and preservation process watching so I have my own personal experience and then I have the observation of others to lean on that allows me so much material to write right and and the writing is <laughs> don't uh, be confused 
while it's meant to also be helpful to others, it's incredibly helpful for me. Like it's things like, you know, the, and I bet you find with the podcast that things like the podcast, things like writing, when you put yourself out there, you start to realize how much on a day-to-day basis when you're in your own head that you let yourself off the hook. It's easy to jump from one thought to the next and you don't realize like how big of a leap you just made to form a certain conclusion. And when you start to put sentences together to convey a message on a podcast that's going to go out there to people or to write something, the amount of clarity that you start to get It allows you to double down on the things that you feel like you really know, and then it allows you to get rid of a lot of garbage that you actually were incorporating. So in that sense, the writing then, it's it's a circular feedback. I get the input, I get the experience from myself and from the client base to help me with content for writing, and then the writing adds clarity, then come back and service the client base better. So it's they are very inter integrated in that way. That's awesome. And I'm sure it helps you express your creative side, right? Because financial advice watching is typically right. It's there's a lot of noise. There's a lot of moving pieces. There's a lot of organization, pie graphs, spreadsheets, shifting, allocating, organizing, very concrete versus I'm going to scribe now. Yeah. So then you got to ask yourself, I think it, with anything that you do, whether it's financial advising or whatever, like wh- what does, what does being creative offer other people? So it's great. Like, okay. You say, Oh, it must be nice, Mitch, that you get to like get in touch with your creative side for sure. Um, but then what does that actually do for others? Um, but does it always have to be for others? Self-care, right? Yeah, which is all, but yeah, 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 totally. But I mean, I think there's a circular loop there, right? Like the more you take care of yourself, the more you're ultimately taking care of others. And so, um, the, I think what I, I always go back to this idea of, to your point on the noise that's within the financial services space, that there's a big, I heard this actually on um, uh, Arthur Brooks who writes for the Atlantic. He had Ryan Holiday, who's you know sort of the modern day uh, expert on stoicism. Uh, and their banter back and forth on a podcast uh, Arthur Brooks had mentioned this idea of the Eastern interpretation of uh, art or creative, let's say, uh, and the Western interpretation. And the Western, you and I think like, okay, art, creativity, what can you make of a blank canvas, right? Like I started a blog post and here's my Microsoft Word template. Like, what can I make of this? that's art where in the east they approach it more from the standpoint of what can you take away what can you subtract so that something else is revealed 
so that the natural is revealed. Completely different, right? It inverses the whole process. And so, and I, I subscribe to that more in the sense that like the creative side of the writing for me is now what noise can I take away from people? Um, because it's, people frequently ask like, well, who's your main competitor? Which is an interesting word in itself, but um, who's your main competitor? You know, is it, you know, is it Merrill Lynch, Fidelity, Morgan Stanley? And it is n none of that. It, it, it is 0% that and 100% the amount of information and knowledge that's available that ultimately, whether that is through an, a Google search or whether that is through uh, your best friend or your neighbor, whatever. And it's not that those are bad resources. It's just once they're all put together, then we start having uh, obstacles, right? That prevent action from taking place. So the art and the creative is more about taking away and subtracting then so that the barriers are out of, out of the way and you can actually reveal something, right? Like versus, well, what can we just add? What can we create? Addition by subtraction. It's funny, there's another, uh, another post that I've extracted from the blog that uh, people grabbed onto was, Something to the effect of let we let wealth be what we've subtracted that is not our true selves. Uh, so to your point, addition by subtraction. Um, Say that one more time. Let wealth be what remains after your true self. Uh, let wealth be what we subtract that is not our true selves. In other words, get away from this idea of what is it that I've acquired, right? Like, uh, don't get away from this idea of like, what is my investment statement balance look like? What's what my the... net worth? Yeah. Mitch, so, what's my net worth? I wanna see it on Google someday. So Mark, if you read my, that's a man, did you tee that up for me? So if you read the last, my last blog post, the title was explicitly what is wealth and my, and it is my urge to get people to uh, reinvent what does your net worth statement look like and make no mistake. I'm not here to say like, okay, yeah, yes, there is a place for, uh, understanding where you stand um, financially. There are just so many other components that go to your wealth story. And I break it down into five. And so one is time, one is your health. Uh, the other is your personal brand. The, and the, the fourth, the quality of your relationships and your network. And the other is your peace from mind. All five of those if you truly invest, invest, and I don't use that word lightly, if you invest in all five of those, the ability to then actually, if money is your aim, which is a perfectly fine aim, money will come from those five things. And, uh, and, it, and it's, there is so much more wealth wrapped up in those five things 
than what money will ever do for you. Uh, that if if we if we could get the focus more there and sort of flip the net worth model on its head, uh, I think people are would be aghast at like what that just in general does for a sense of contentment. In addition to making money. Name those five things for me again. Okay, so time, your health, your personal brand. What is that? Mean? Is I, that like I, yeah, your... I'm sure. Yeah, you're going to have like a, there's a lot of questions on all these. So is personal that brand. legacy? No, I would say personal brand more in the sense of like your reputation. Um, uh, it might even, in there, you might even put like uh, your capacity to enjoy your work. Um, are you fun to be around in the office? Those types, that type of thing. I come back to why that actually equals money. Um, right. But uh, 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 fourth, uh, the quality of your relationships, your network, and fifth, your your peace of mind. Um, peace of mind. But I, because I mean, and by the way, the first four, the first four all have strings attached. I mean, they're all still very entrenched in a very finite way, right? Like we can't get around time, uh, health, health, we can do as much as we possibly can about health, but you know, we're still subject to a, a lot that's out of our control. A lot of it is still external in nature. Peace from mind is really that last one that can kind of uh, make or break the whole deal because restlessness steals from all of them, right? Like you can have all the money. I don't want to just pay lip service to the adage, well, money can't buy you happiness. Right. Because it's really freaking true. And, uh, and your investment and peace of mind needs to come before you start acquiring, right? Like I, it's just, so it's interesting. I was listening and learning and someone was talking about entrepreneurs. What's the definition of an entrepreneur, right? Is it, is it to obtain all of the riches? If I'm an entrepreneur, do I have the gold or do I have the freedom? And it sounds like that's what you're delivering to your client base is that is that freedom to kind of relax and, and stop the race to nowhere. Like maybe you're already there. Maybe you can enjoy what you've done and what you've accomplished. Am I close to where your, your enlightened you're game is? Your enlightened yeah. long game? <laughs> you are. Um... That is a possible scenario, and I, like I don't want to uh, like the, the the point is that I think you hit the nail on the head with like maybe you're already there because the answer is you it's not maybe you are already there, all of us are, and so there then it's like what do you go where do you go from there and why the focus needs to be on these other five versus money is for reasons like this. Uh, like the one, like you mentioned, like, uh, maybe 
kind of what you just hit on is someone that should probably be asking themselves the question like how much is enough like do right. i it'd be nice to have it would be nice to have extra money but do i do i actually need it um so that's sort of the question you're addressing there and then but you could take it a, like to me here's like a step further like and why you might consider this person this is why this illustrates why we need to change how we look at net worth so if I have a very long time horizon um, to work, and I don't even necessarily mean, I don't mean that because if I'm a young person, I just mean like I could be 60 years old. And if I anticipate working until I'm 85, um, that's a sign that that is a piece of wealth, right? That 25 working years, right? Uh, and that's not for us, that's not for you and I to judge whether that's a weird strategy or not. Right. Is it, it's a little bit atypical, but who cares? And, but like that piece of time is equally as important as the difference, the differences in two different people's retirement investment accounts, right? So, that's where the uh, you to your point. Yes, you're you're here. You, uh, you're you're already there. Now, like, let's look at the other three things, or the other five things, and uh, that that mean just as much to your net worth and your actual income and your sense of freedom uh, as does the money that you have. Do you find that some folks that you work with can never relinquish the anxiety around money, whether it's the accumulation, preservation, or do I have enough to get me to the grave? And the one that somewhat frustrates me a little bit is have I given enough to the next generation. Before I answer that, can you, what what frustrates you about the uh, legacy question? What frustrates me about it is how much pressure put uh, pressure people put on themselves for that. We've watched, as you know, we have an estate planning practice in my firm, and we've watched people really him and haw and stare at the ceiling about, should I do a reverse mortgage so that I can live happily and fruitfully with the last asset that I have remaining in my name? Or should I scrimp and scrape and make sure that I leave something to yeah. my children? Great example. So the only thing that the the main thing that's coming to mind, and you'll have to forgive me because I know I tend to get almost too philosophical with it, <clears throat> but it's just who you nature. are. Yeah. So um, what comes to mind for me is that uh, the your revert. I'm so glad I asked the question because the reverse mortgage uh, versus 
scrimping. Yeah, yeah, like that's the perfect example. Um, I actually think uh, you may have generously commented on this blog post about right answers and whether it is someone get, getting over the angst of having enough or being able to give to the next generation or whatever. Uh, the reality is that one thing that we like to do as humans is come up with the, these buckets of right and wrong, right? Because it just makes, it makes things easier. And you see this in everything, right? Like it, look no further than our political landscape, right? Like there is zero room for nuance. And so that if, if we know this to be true, that we prefer a narrative with a right and wrong answer in all things, then start there that we, need, we know we're going to deal with two sides of the same coin and most anything, right? Like, do they take the reverse mortgage or do they scrape pennies together so that they can have a legacy for their kids? The answer is there is no right or wrong answer because they're going to deal with their own peace of mind, 0.5 of what is wealth, uh, in one direction or the other, because if they do the reverse, they will wonder the rest of their life if they've not done what they could have done for their next generation. And they'll live with the disappointment and they'll, you know, whatever. And if they scratch and claw to be able to provide a legacy, they're going to deal with all of that garbage that goes into survival and paying the bills, right? So there is no right or wrong answer. And at risk of sounding like, uh, uh, I, when I talk like that, I think sometimes that people think, well, like, you know, I'm afraid to take a stance on things. And that's just, it's not the case. It's uh, everything is so tremendously nuanced that uh, the answer to your original question is, do people have a hard time getting there? Of course, because that is the nature of who we are. Like we want, we want and crave a right and wrong answer, even though it just simply doesn't exist uh, nearly all the time. Or if there is, you're going to have to contend with what the opposite, what the other side of the story was. I, the example I frequently use is uh, in retirement, you know, people want to know like, okay, what would two years, what would two extra working years give me uh, for my retirement income? And we, you walk through the pros and cons of those and maybe they get tangled up and they can't make a decision. Well, there isn't a right, again, another point where there's no right or wrong decision because if you retire now, you'll never know what it would have been like if you worked two more years. And the same is true had you worked for two more years, what you would have gotten out of those extra two. So that's just, uh, that's, that goes to point five uh, and peace of mind. And to me is the, that's the, that's the final biggie that you got to devote to, to your favorite Tim Ferriss line of when the morning, win the day, like that's where your day starts. It's like, surrendering to that fact that uh, 
you're not going to, you're not going to, you're not going to nail the right answer. Um, you just don't know what it is. It's, it's a matter of deal, which side of the coin do you want to contend with? So it's a constant journey toward the fifth element, which is peace of mind. Yes. That's fascinating. And thank you for sharing that thoughtful insight into that. So if we were to group, and we can't, right? There's no right or wrong answers and there's no groups, but if you were able to, through your experience and all of the people that you've come across, put a group together, how do you find that peace of mind? Who in that group has found step number five? And how uh, do we get there? Oh, like uh, in the people that I service. That okay, yeah. so not like yeah, not beyond that. Um, so what you're asking is, uh, how do you straddle? The, the ultimate question is like, how do you straddle the line, right, of uh, living in the the systems that we've created as human beings, one of which is our monetary system and needing money and all that stuff. Uh, and then also with this other side of it that, uh, well, hey, money can't buy you happiness, right? Like, so the, those, are, those are two sort of, um, there's a line right in between them and you need to like kind of straddle it and uh, there's tension between the two, right? Uh, and so who's doing both and the, go ahead. Well, is it, is it both or who has, who's found it? If you were able to clump them together, what are some of the characteristics? Cause it's not uber wealth, right? We, we know that, that, that doesn't bring happiness. You know, it's, it's not necessarily contentment because if what you're saying is accurate that it's hard to be fully content. Like what are some of the characteristics in your mind? And, and you may not know, like you may have a certain assumption about a client that they have found it, but yet they stare at the ceiling and they aren't sharing with you. Yeah, no, no, that's good. I, let me just give you things that I think, uh, of where it points towards, because it's clearly different for everybody. Uh, um, I might back up on the word contentment a little bit that I think for me, that's a, you know, ultimately define happiness. And I come back to, to me, the word that resonates the most with me is freedom. Um, and, and, and then you can like kind of pair back like, well, what is freedom? mean and and a lot of that is just you're getting rid of the worry the stress the anxiety whatever the external stuff that you have no control over so let me these are the things that i think i can point to that what you see people doing uh that leads towards that freedom and it's a it's a it's funny because it's somewhat of an elusive thing because the more you chase it, like with anything, right, uh, that doesn't, that almost makes it more out of grasp. Um, 
uh, that goes, you know, it, you know that from like, I'm sure like with your sons in sports, right? Like the harder they, it's not necessarily, you can't like, there, there's not this like equation for the harder you try, the more success they had in sports, right? Or, uh, and, or in any, any dating scenario, how much is it like there's, there's never like this automatic equation of like, oh, I, because I put so much effort into getting, getting the person to, to go out with me, like that's oftentimes less appealing, right? So the, uh, a lot of times it's more about removing the obstacles that are in the way than it is actually chasing down what is that leads to the freedom. It's, and I'm back to the subtraction thing again, right? Like well, removing. It's, it's, full, it's full circle. I mean, that's, that's your Remo explanation of Remo who, yeah. who those yeah, people I, are. Yeah, I mean, I think you give like, um, I'll go, I'll give you more of a, like a, you think of it more of a personal account and you think about like all, we can all do this, right? Like it's the, you think of all the life decisions that were by chance that led you to where you are, right? Like I've heard your, I've heard your great story a million times of like the, the person that sort of you were doing criminal law, right? And the person that took you under your, your, their wing a little bit and showed you an access point to real estate and closings and stuff like that. That meeting, a friend of a friend, nonetheless, right? right? So like a, what, a third degree, second degree connection. Yeah. Um, if that conversation or that meeting never happens, like, where are you now, right? And our life's full of those types of things, right? We all, we all know that, that there's these, these split nanosecond decisions that end up ultimately landing us where we are. And so to wrap your identity around too much of these things, and I'll go as far to say, and this is a bit provocative, is like, I think of, you know, like it would be easy for me to say like, uh, okay, father of three, husband, uh, partner of financial independence advisors, writer of the enlightened long game, whatever you want to name, like whatever I want to name, are they're more or less roles that I fill and play, right? That if we want to get honest with ourselves, the house of cards that, that, that those roles all sit on is pretty wobbly because it could have uh, it could have gone a million different directions right and so I, I find it critical to not make that your identity too much back to the idea of subtraction and where the real wealth and peace of mind is coming from that like great have an awesome career But the idea, have an awesome career, save money, all of those things, for sure. Uh, it contributes to a life well lived here on earth. The be, getting, make it, making that the, uh, 
making that the top of the pyramid can get to be a very a, a very dicey place to be and that's not where the most free people are does that resonate through all generations i know you're working with folks that are already retired folks that are getting close to retirement folks that are hitting their peak years and folks that are just starting out does that resonate on any one generation more or less? Ooh, good one. Yeah. You, so yeah, I mean, it's a good question. You did, yeah. Did I just make more of a, like, like here's 34 year old Mitch. Did I just make like a millennial observation? Right. Which is basically what you're asking. Not really, but does okay. it resonate with your generation more than the greatest generation? Like, is that a hard concept for someone who's been ingrained with the, you need the right and you need the wrong, and this is how you do it. And you work hard, you, you go to school, you work hard, you retire, and this is, this is how you do it versus, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that would go with any concept, right? Like anytime you're like, anytime you're breaking the mold on anything, um, you're going to have anybody that anytime you've had a group of people that is more exposed for a longer period of time to uh, a certain system, the harder it's going to be to like kind of break that down. Right. And, and it's like the last thing I ever want to do is give this impression that I'm trying to like blow up the system, like systems, processes, structures, institutions, the stories and the narratives, like that's what makes us human. Like Naval Harari, are you familiar with him? No. One, one of the best at describing that all of the institutions and systems and processes that we have, like that's what makes us human. It's, they, they in and of themselves are kind of fictional stories that we all buy into. And that's what makes us human. It's the only thing that makes us different than, an, than a monkey is that we have this capacity to, uh, share a story, all agree, and move forward. We're the only ones that can do it. And it's basically the main distinguishing component between us and the apes. And so I don't want to discredit them at all. They're very needed. It's just also very critical to be aware of the story that we're in and the story that we're telling ourselves so that you don't become completely blind and trapped in it so that you can't just so that because eventually all you're doing is just you, you move into the trap of just uh, I, I think you referred to it as the treadmill earlier and it just becomes uh, in the sleep motion where it's what makes me feel safe well okay making money makes me feel safe okay I'll acquire as much as I can um, and that's sort of the system that's set up for you. And that's fine. It got us here. Just don't forget that you have to come back and realize that like you are an individual inside of the system, I guess that needs to develop their own wealth story, right? It's not just an, a narrative of the system. I'm not sure if that can't, that last sentence didn't come out quite right, but I think. No, but get I, I get it. I mean, you are in a system of events that you can't control, but you can control your own individual system and how you play a part in that yes. bigger 
system. Redefining wealth. I like that term. Your clients want you to talk more about redefining wealth. How would somebody find these writings? Yeah, so I'd say the two easiest places to find the Enlightened Long Game are the enlightenedlonggame.com. That's just basically the, that's where every article is listed and where I'm most active on a daily basis. Those are like weekly articles. And then um, on a more daily basis, I'm active on Facebook. If you care to check that out, the um, don't go to my personal. Uh, if you want to distinguish the two, my personal is like where the, uh, uh, that's where you'll see like a picture of my family. Then there's another one that's just myself and clearly branding sort of the enlightened long game. And that's where I kind of let people in on the writing process where I might like show my outline uh, or a quote from a currently published one. And that's kind of cool. There's a, the enlightened yeah, there's a couple games. of is that a Facebook page, the Enlightened Long Game, or can you find it's still, that? It's Google? actually still my name. So search my name on Facebook and you would find it. Uh, but there's a couple of thousand people there, which is kind of cool. And there's lots of engagement around these kinds of topics. Cool. And uh, I find that to be far more interactive and I can sort of step out of the way. That's awesome. That's a community, right? Yeah. So you have an Enlightened Long Game community. Congratulations. Thank you, I guess. Yeah. yeah. That's that's it. That's it. All right. So one last question. You've listened to some of the podcasts you shared with me, uh, some of the ones that you enjoyed. Um, and I encourage anyone who's listening to this for the first time to check out some of the other ones on Elements of Styles. But we ask everyone, because we're going to put everyone who put themselves out there, right? Anybody who's coming on this, and I can tell you from experience, it can be challenging to get people to come on and tell their story, right? Not a lot of people are prepared to open their book like you just did. Uh, but we also know that karaoke is, is like that in a sub uh, section of life. And we love karaoke. And I'd love to get, and that's my vision for this podcast is to bring as many guests possible together in an environment and they're going to sing karaoke because it's really uncomfortable. What's your go? What's your go-to song, Mitch? I'm going to answer you in two ways. Is that okay? Yo, absolutely. It's your All show. Right, so, the, so the first one, uh, put you a. Okay, so the first one here, uh, Trevor Hall, Blue Sky Mind. Uh, Trevor, if you don't know him, is like sort of a. Uh, he's found a way to find bring like. Um, uh, let's let he's more of like well he's brought he's like mainstreamed uh reggae and uh like folk type music i would say in the last like uh call it eight to ten years anyways he has a song called blue sky mind uh and idea being that the objective be you are the blue sky watching the clouds go by the clouds are like your thoughts uh the shit coming at you um, that you have no control of and the idea is to observe those. Now, that's part one. After that puts the, the bar asleep, because I know that's a boring karaoke song, then I will get in touch with my inner Midwestern who uh, is now, you know, 
uh, a decade plus New Englander uh, and go Hank Williams Jr. Country boy can't survive. Love it. Because you can't get rid of like this. Uh, there's always a chip on the shoulder of any Midwestern that is now a transplant. Um, because I was born and raised to uh enjoy the fruits of my labor and then also be very comfortable with a peanut butter jelly sandwich you know and so uh i love me some hank a country boy can survive i love it mitch thank you for sharing my friend it was uh extremely enjoyable for me i hope it was for all of our listeners and hopefully we'll see you back on this show again soon thanks brother Hey, thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe on your platform of choice for a new episode each week and share this with everyone and anyone. If you have any questions or comments or have an idea for another guest, feel free to shoot me an email at mstyles at styles-law.com. That's M-S-T-I-L-E-S at styles-law.com. And if you are a real estate professional, be sure to check us out on our private exclusive Facebook page, The Real Estate School at 892 for content and Massachusetts continuing education opportunities. Be well, folks. This podcast is being provided for informational purposes only. The podcast is not a comprehensive overview of the subject and is not intended to provide legal or financial advice or an endorsement of any product or business. The views expressed by podcast guests are their own and their appearance on the podcast does not imply any endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Please seek legal, financial, or tax advice before taking any action on the matters or products discussed herein.